and it's interesting, I was ordained in 1995, and back then it was just a hard period of my life. And I wanted to be in the relationship, and guess what? I was ordained in May of 1995, and my first wedding was in July. You know how joyful that? You get a picture of this beautiful couple that just love each other. And you're standing in front of them going, I hate life right now. This is just not fair. And so I would say, do you, Craig, take you, Brenda, to be your wife? And I was amazed, and Craig and Brenda are here today. And so I did their wedding in 1995, and when I did their wedding, it was perfect. Now, I haven't done a perfect wedding since. You guys know that, because I've done many weddings. I mispronounced names and all that stuff. And so I want to show you this picture. This is my godson, Jacob, that his mother sent me. And this was taken in a period of my life where I was going, doubting everything. I was doubting, am I really called to the ministry? I was doubting, am I really going to be in love again? I was doubting everything. And it's interesting, I preached like once a year at a church because I was a full-time youth pastor. And uh, uh, Becky, who is Jacob's mother, came to me after I preached. And she said, you know what Jacob said after you preached? And I go, I have no idea. He said, I just want to be like Daddy Kevin. I want to be a pastor at six years old. So I didn't, take, I didn't go, amen. I go, why in the world would he want to do that? <laughs> do you know I just, my whole life is destroyed because I went in the ministry? I was in a bitter stage. <laughs> so today I want to team preach with my godson. It was 20, uh, it was very interesting because my godson just graduated from college a few years ago. He's graduating from seminary at Azusa Pacific University Seminary with his master's. And he's going to move uh, next month. I don't know his parents are really happy about this. <laughs> Moving to Washington in Warm Beach Free Methodist Church to be a youth pastor, exactly what I was doing 28 years ago. So welcome, Jacob, and come forward. Give some of the word about doubt. I honestly don't remember telling my mom that. But <laughs> I say a lot of things, so <laughs> just kind of take it with a grain of salt. Uh, if you guys have a Bible or you have it on your phone, please turn uh, back to Psalm chapter 4 with me. Uh, we're going to be spending some time in there today. Um, and. Thinking of doubt, I, it's funny because uh, it, it is a reality for us. Um, but when I was younger, Kevin never came to birthday parties or to Christmas in our family. And it, when I was little, why the heck is this kid, this guy, not coming to my birthday party? Like, doesn't he know that like he's important to me? Like, do I need to like tell him? Whatever it was, whatever feelings he was feeling about it, he didn't. And so he, once a year, he would take us out for birthday and Christmas, give us a, a dollar limit at Toys R Us. That was back in the heyday. And he would do that. He would start with McDonald's. We would go. We would play. He would take us to Toys R Us, and then he'd take us home. Little did I know, but that was a period of time where my mom doubted him returning us to her. <laughs> I don't, and I, you know Kevin, he preaches every week, he's here with you guys, and that makes perfect sense that she would doubt Kevin. 
there were there was there were times when he would do things that it just like look thinking about it now as a dad I would what is your problem <laughs> but doubt is a reality that we wrestle with whether it's with our with our kids with our finances with our our homes doubts a reality that we live with on a regular basis the past uh, the past Three years um, have been a season of busyness, and that's the thing about doubt is it kind of comes in waves, doesn't it? Where there are seasons where things are good, you're happy, you're, everything is going right, and then there are seasons where it just seems like life dumps on you. Um, this pa- these past three years, they've been good. They've been really good, and I want to stress that ahead of time uh, because I, I love my life. I love what g- God's provided and given me an opportunity to do, but this season has been busy. I've had three jobs over the last three years. Um, I'm in school. I've been working on my master's for three years now. I'm, I'm, a, I'm a husband. I'm a dad. And so life is busy. I want to do everything that I do well because God's provided that for me. And, and, and I think that it's, as a, as a follower of Christ, it's our response to do what God's provided us with well. And so I... But despite wanting to do it well, want, enjoying it, and having moments of, of good things that have happened, there have been moments of just pure exhaustion that lead to questions of, why is this happening? Why do I have to go through this in order to get to what you've called me to? Why do I have to struggle? Why do I have to see my coworkers more than my own wife? Why do I have to see coworkers more than my own kids? Moments where I've, I've wrestled with, if, if God, you're calling me to this, but why is it so hard right now? And through seminary, I've had the chance to, to, to dive into scriptures, and, and, to, and, and reading the Bible is forever ruined to me now because of seminary. So I listen to it for my devotions. But I've had the chance to see that doubt and, ha- and wrestling with doubt is nothing new. There is nothing new to God about his people wrestling with doubts and questions and fears and concerns. It's happened from Adam and Eve all the way through. Even the Apostle Paul wrestled with doubt. These people that we look to as examples of how to model our lives after and following Christ, they went through seasons of doubt. And I love the Psalms and and the picture that it gives us of this, this encapsulated life of following God through the good times where we're saying the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want through the times where we're, all we can say is, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And I love them for that. And I love chapter 4 in Psalms because it gives us this weird tension of David, who is, is attributed as the author, is in this period, this moment this, of, of just utter frustration and anger and concern and doubt where he's calling out to God, but yet he's... A, he's there's this weird acknowledgement of God is the one who makes us lie down in safety. And so I, if you would join me, I'd like to read through it one more time as we, as we look. And, and as we're reading it, pay attention to how David refers to God, because I think that's the key in this passage. David's focus is not on the doubts. It's not on his frustration, but it's fully and completely on God. And so join with me as we read this together. Answer me when I call, O God of my right You gave me room when I was in distress. Be gracious to me and hear my prayer. How long, you people, shall my honor suffer shame? How long will you love vain words and seek after lies? But know that the Lord has set apart the faithful for himself. The Lord hears when I call to him. 
When you are disturbed, do not sin. Ponder it in your beds and be silent. Offer right sacrifices and put your trust in the Lord. There are many, many who say, oh, that we may see some good. Let, your, let the light of your face shine on us, O oh Lord. You've put gladness in my heart. More than when their grain and wine abound, I will, I will both lie down and sleep in peace for you alone, O oh Lord. Make me lie down in safety. It seems weird that crying out and yelling at God is okay. But I love what, what the worship team did this morning in turning our attention to our God is bigger than anything that we can say. Our God is bigger than any doubts that we may have. Our God is big enough to handle it when we lament. And see, as backwards as lamenting may be, may seem to us here and now in, in our culture, in our society, I see it as a deep expression of faith. Because what lamenting does to God, not to each other, but to God, it differentiates how we feel with who God is. God's big enough to handle it. And our lamenting, our willingness to go to God is what differentiates just these feelings of utter doubt and despair with feelings of faith and understanding that God will lead us through whatever that is. One of the things that, that I appreciate, uh, one of the commentaries that I, I, ha I spent some time with, um, the author of it um, points out that what David does in this psalm and through the, the breath of the psalms is that it is David, rather than withdrawing and, and holding onto and soaking in all this, all this pain, all this frustration, all these things, that, that a lot of it was self-inflicted on him, see, himself. See, that's, that's the killer is we make choices that bring on these consequences sometimes. But there were things that David went through that were not under his control. And so, but what he does is, rather than withdrawing, he turns these common moments, these moments of lying in bed in the quiet, in the darkness, in the stillness, he turns those common moments into uncommon moments of prayer and communion. And so in the seasons of doubt, the encouragement is turn those moments into uncommon moments of prayer and communion. Take those doubts, take those frustrations, lay them at the feet of God, setting our hearts and our minds upon God and who he is in order for that to turn into moments of prayer and communion. And what's funny, what I've noticed, as one season of doubt ends, as this season of multiple jobs, school, struggling, wanting to spend time with my family but not having the ability, as one season ends, another season of doubt sometimes comes along. Let me introduce you to my friend Steve. Picture of his will be on the... He, over 20 years, has been a constant source of encouragement for me. He's been part of the family. He's loved on me in ways that I can never express my gratitude towards. One of my joys was, was sharing in the excitement and just the pleasure that I had with school, which for those that knew, my, for my, my family that knows, school would never was enjoyable for me. I always hated being in school. 
But when I got to seminary and I got to start sharing about some of the things I was learning with Steve, seeing the joy in his face as I realized and saw potential that he saw 20 years ago that God had placed on my life and, and the calling in my life, one of the joys that, that we had together was looking forward to this May when I was going to graduate. He couldn't wait for me to walk across that stage except my master's. And the joy that we had when I shared with him that I'd, I'd gotten my full-time, my dream job, a full-time youth pastor job at a church in, our, in my dream place, which is Washington, the joy that he had. He was sad to say goodbye, but he was so joyful to see me realize the potential that God had placed on my life. Such a joy. Yesterday, we celebrated his memorial service. He will not get to see me graduate. And so this season of doubt, of frustration, of constantly getting hit with life, of having to work nonstop over three years, now that that's ending, this season of doubt, of questions, of frustration, why did God have to take him now, seems to be just beginning. But here's the difference. Here's the difference with our doubts. Those of us who follow Jesus, and if you don't, please do. It's not going to be better it's not going to be easier. It's going to be better in the long term. But with doubt, and as a follower of, of Christ, if we are willing to set our heart and our mind upon God, that doubt turns into hope. That the legacy that, that Steve left by pouring into me and, and, and making me see the potential that I often had trouble seeing, that legacy I get to live into beginning next month. My encouragement, y'all, live in verses 7 and 8. You have put gladness in my heart. I will both lie down and sleep in peace. For you alone, O Lord, make me lie down in safety. Doubt is not going to end just because you follow Christ. But when you do follow Christ and you do choose to set your mind and your heart upon God, those doubts, those frustrations, those questions, those periods of time when it just seems like life is dumping on you, God is right there next to you, joining you, walking through it with you. I don't know if this is proper, but let me invite you all to pray with me right now as we transition. Father God, I thank you for this this, this community, this family, Lord, I thank you for the opportunity to be here and to be welcomed into it, Lord. Lord, I pray that, that as seasons or moments of doubt come up, Lord God, that we would turn our hearts and our minds to you. That rather than withdrawing, God, you would be our first thought. Coming to you, turning to you, Lord, would be our first thought. Lord God, I thank you for those in our life who come alongside us, who walk through those times, who pour into us, who love us, Lord. And I pray, Lord God, that we would just be filled with an understanding and an acknowledgement of who you are, no matter what season of life we are in. Thank you, Lord, for your love. I thank you for your presence in our lives, your presence here and now this morning. Lord, we lift this all up in your name. Amen.
So what do you do when you're going through darkness like Jacob with the loss of a friend that supported him in school? How do you deal with some of the things? And there's three points that when it comes to applying to our lives. The first one is you've got to guard your heart during low times. Man, when we're down and we're doubting, the minute we want to do is we look at our internet and we go, there's where I want to live. I want to get out of here. And so we end up running away from something instead of running towards something. And when we run away, we make mistake after mistake after mistake, but we do not get goal-oriented. Thomas was certainly down. Man, he was, he was by himself. He was in jeopardy. He lost hopes. He lost dash. His hopes were dashed. And he was grieving by himself. But fortunately, he didn't do anything rash. He didn't do anything crazy. But he came back to his disciples. He came back to the body of Christ. The second thing we need to understand, we need to draw strength from others, don't we? The first thing you do when you're going single and you're missing something, you want to isolate yourself. Let's go to church. I ain't going anywhere. I'm just going to sit home and watch The Bachelor. (laughs) Or The Bachelorette, whatever you guys watch. And I just don't want to talk to anyone. I don't want to deal with anyone. And when we isolate ourselves, this is where the doubt kicks in. And we have to push ourselves, as, as Thomas did, to get back into the body to kind of connect with people. It's very important. This is why in the second point, we need to draw strength from one another. You know, the church, we we have a tendency to fake things, don't we? How are things going? Praise the Lord, hallelujah, he's risen. (laughs) I'm barely breathing right now, and I don't need someone that's chipper, that's just faking stuff. And so why we connect with other, all of us doubt. And we need the the gift of authenticity to say, you know what, right now I'm not feeling it. Right now I'm going through some difficult stuff. And you have to understand that Jesus, when he, on his post-resurrection appearance, he, he appeared to people in groups. When it came to the two Marys, he appeared to them. When it came to the two disciples, he appeared to them. When it came to the road to Emmaus, he appeared. When it came to the ten disciples, he appeared. 500 people gathering together, he appeared. 120 folks gathered at Pentecost. And I think it's amazing that when we experience the healing and anointing of the Holy Spirit through the doubting, that we can connect with each other. I don't have to pretend to be something I'm not. I love it. I know, I've know i known Steve, not on a personal basis, but man, he put those kids for college, through college. He was a very vital part of their lives. And so, yes, you do doubt. Because without doubt, there's no need for faith. You know that, right? Because if I never doubt, I would have certainty, but I'm called to live by faith. This is where I need to embrace Jesus. This is important to that, I learned to embrace Jesus. I want to do a, an interview, and I want to call um, Joanna Polina up. And Joanna and I is talking about doubt. She has an incredible story. And uh, let me give you a, a talk, tell you about Joanna. Her and I are best friends. She doesn't think so, but we are. <laughs> and uh, during that wedding of her sister, her sister, her sister in 1995, we became good friends. Why? because we were going through the same thing. We were going through relationships and uh, breakups and stuff like that. It was horrible. But it was fascinating because we went sailing together a lot. We went to single groups together. 
And I, and I remember when I would go out with some of these women that I would, I would tell Joanna, I think I just dated Satan's daughter right now. <laughs> you know, and I, I, but she didn't play that game on the dating thing. But it was interesting. We met our spouses around the same time. And when we were sailing together, I remember we were talking about, could we ever love again? And uh, so I did her wedding in May of 1999. And she was one of my groomsmen <laughs> in our wedding on March 25th of 2000. But I accepted the deal that I'm not going to be a dad. She never accepted it, that she would never be a mom. And so I want to start your heart, and I know your heart, was always to be a mother. So tell us about that. Let me just go to that, grab the mic and stuff like this. Um, well, I was terrified to have to tell my story and tie it to doubt, because <laughs> I'm like, how does that all fit together? So um, now that I've listened to Jacob and I've heard your story, <laughs> I think I've pulled it together. Um, so our story, as soon as I, I, I married Rob here, over here, with our two daughters sitting over there, um, we wanted a family right away. So um, for, for a lot of people, that's easy, and for us, it wasn't. Um, so a couple years went by, and um, we decided that we would try some things um, to see if we could help, um, and that didn't work, and I always had a, a big heart for adoption, so we decided we would look into adoption, so we did, and um, time went on. No, time went on. We're not talking about a few months. <laughs> We're talking about years. 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 Years of time went on. Right. And with that comes doubt. Am I supposed to be a mom? Am I, um, can I trust God that he has the right plan for me? That was my big thing. Can I trust God to take care of this? Right. No problems too big, as Jacob pointed out. No problems too big for God. No situation is out of God's control. I knew that. I grew up as a Christian. Um, many of the people I went to church with as, as a child are in this room today. Um, and it's so fun to see you all. And I knew God was big enough, but I had a lot of doubt that he was going to do it fast enough and the right way and my way. And um, so, I, uh, so time went on, and I doubted, and I decided I needed to take things into my own hands. And so I went from what I knew was right, we are going to adopt, and this is a lovely thing, um, to trying other things. And... I've told this story before with Kevin, and it took 45 minutes, so I'm trying to figure out how to make it really fast, but we, we basically went to an infertility specialist, and I kid you not, the door was slammed in my face that day for circumstances that we don't need to talk about, but <laughs> um, God was saying, this is not the door that I want you to go through, and I should have listened. I really should have listened to him um, say that to me, and this is not the door you are to go through. So, I, okay, okay, we were told, I was told, we were told, um, for one year, you will not walk through that door. And I thought, well, then for sure, God is going to bring babies through adoption during this year. For sure. And time went on. And I and doubted again. Years. A year. Yeah, my, year yeah. went, my year went by. Yeah. And I thought, okay, yeah, I listened to you. Now we still don't have children. Um, so... Forget it. 
I don't believe that you can take care of this. I really don't. So I went back now, to how that. many years has that been? Because oh. it was 2019. You know, I, kind of I, I actually read through my journal last night trying okay. to see a time frame, but I'm going to say it was at least five years okay. of, so you've been, at that point. Because we went to Del Taco and Starbucks. This is what our <laughs> hangout was. Who goes to Del Taco and Starbucks? <laughs> Joanne and I do. <laughs> this is healthy eating food yeah. and stuff like this. And I remember you were just so frustrated and taking things in your own hands. And so then, okay, continue. Okay, so, um, so I went back to the fertility specialist and, and what a struggle that was. What, what a, an unnecessary struggle that was. But we, we did a few rounds of infertility treatment and still nothing. And at the same time, trying to pursue adoption. So lots of things going in, super, super busy, crazy time in life. We were working full time, we were doing all this crazy stuff, and I, I thought I might lose my mind. Um, and I finally, after some time, and I'm not even sure how much longer, but at least another year, I decided that I was going to surrender because maybe God was big enough and he was strong enough and he did have a better plan. Maybe. <laughs> um, so I started journaling about that, and I was reading through that last night, and I, I looked up every verse on surrender that I could find, every verse on trusting God that he could handle this situation, and, and really those verses were just speaking to me from God, I have got this. And so I came to a place of pretty much complete surrender the summer of 2006. So we'd married in 99, it had been seven years. Um, and I had just, I work in a school district, so I had just gone back to work. Um, I was, I had Fridays off, and I was with a friend, completely surrendering, we were going to get a massage. And, um, <laughs> and she was pregnant, so I was helping her out. And because, you know, everywhere you look, there's a baby, or one growing. Um, and, and, I, and I think my lawyer called, but I think God called me that day. And he said, guess what? Today's the day. Today's the day that, you, that I am going to show you where I've been leading you all this time. And my lawyer called and said, there's a baby. And my baby's here. She's 11. <laughs> um, and it was just an amazing story. And I, it was one of the best moments of time in my life. And God was amping up to that. And he had to make it pretty spectacular so, um, because we waited so long. So we went to the hospital. We met her like it was midnight by the time we got there, but we met her. We stayed as long as they would let us. They kicked us out. We went to, the, um, to a hotel and stayed the night, but I don't know that I slept much. And the next day, I was so anxious to get back and see her. Um, we went back to the hospital. We through a lot of hoops and, and everything, we finally were able to take her home. And on the way home, we had another really fun moment that I, I love to share. Um, nobody knows about this. And I have to say, when you go through something like that, you're not the only one doubting. Your whole family doubts right along with you. And they pray for you, and they hope for you, but they're also doubting. And so my family went through this with me. And it was heartbreak for everyone. And so when we were driving home, nobody knows. And we made the most fun phone call I've ever made in my life. 
I called to find my parents. I couldn't find my parents. I couldn't get a hold of my parents, so I called my sister. And then I said, do you know where mom and dad are? Yeah, they're here. Oh, that's so great. <laughs> so I said, well, we would like you to come over and meet your niece, granddaughter. And the hooping and hollering in that room behind, through the phone was so much fun. And I still remember it. And it was just fun to hear because it was rejoicing in what God had done over a long period of time for all of us. And so we all gathered. And um, the first thing my sister said when she walked in the door and held Annabella was, we waited so long for you. We are so glad you're here. And I'll never forget that. <laughs> that was really fun. That's good. Thank you. <laughs> Both daughters. Yeah, uh, yeah, and then, and then, uh, yes. We, like, we you don't really another... want to show favor to one and not no. the other one. <laughs> <laughs> we were just as excited to do it all again three and a half years later. Um, so that's my little one, and Annabella and Angelina. And so, we're so <laughs> uh, I'm going to have um, uh, Julio, if he can come forward. If you're going through doubt, and you, we just heard her story, we heard Jacob's story and my story, that sometimes God's timing is not our timing, is it? And sometimes it can get frustrated, and sometimes we can wait for years. But Julio's going to sing this song that I asked him to sing, and it's about calling upon the Lord, and sometimes in our doubts. And if you're struggling with doubt too, and you want prayer for during Julio's song, I really want you to stand up. And after he sings, and before we go into communion, I want to pray for you, that you will have the courage, that through the doubts, your faith will be developed, and that you can see miracles through adoption.